I feel like I'm living in the future. So what is this MP3 you're talking about? I'm all about the CDs. Hello, you're on the terrace. We are the companion to Night Terrace, the time travel comedy for your ears. And in this episode, we are unpacking episode four of series one, The Outsourcing. I'm Vaya. I'm sci-fi curious and Erinsborough adjacent. And I'm joined for this chat by the writer of the episode who also happens to be the sound designer of Night Terrace, the series, David Ashton. Welcome, David. Hi. And actor, improviser, voice of various roles across the series, Amanda Buckley. Hello. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. And I really liked that introduction. (laughs) I feel validated for all my choices. Because in this particular episode, you play Infonode (laughs) and Rachel from... Supplies. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Can you do it, Rachel from Supplies? Yeah. <laughs> and which that, that's that's a great example of of what Amanda can bring to a role because that's on the page that role is really nothing. <laughs> I, I apologise, but but the minute Amanda came on it went Supplies. Sue. No, this is R H underscore L from Supplies. It came to life. <laughs> it was perfect, and that's that's why we have to say that you're dotted throughout the. All the episodes, Amanda. Yes. You're part of, I guess, the the company players. You and Dave Lamb are numerous different characters. Isn't yeah. Right? Yeah. We, we would uh, eat at the buffet of voices. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, we would try to anyway. He's, he's very – he was the most inspirational person to watch just physicalise a scene that might have one line in it, but that guy was ready always. And did you, had you worked with the Splendid Chaps Productions people before? Um, ben. I had worked with Ben McKenzie as an improviser and just as an all-round good guy. He's gotten me involved in a few of his projects in the past. He's very, very hard to say no to because you, you know that anything he asks you to be a part of is going to be amazing. So, yeah, I was – I think I had a newborn baby or a, a young child when he first asked me about it and I was very much like, are you sure I'm going to be right for this? He's like, yeah, I just want you just, – just come. Just come. Trust me. You'll love it. And he was not wrong. Excellent. Is that, David, is that how they got you? They just roped you in in a similar fashion? Yeah, pretty much. I've, I've known John for years and years and John's always getting me involved in anything he does. Which you know, like Ben, it's it's you always know it's going to be good and worth doing. So, and you're the sound designer. That's the correct title for you, isn't it? Sure. I, I don't think we we use that in the credits. We just said sound engineer. Sound designer can be a bit pretentious sounding. That's why I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a but, bit of um, frill. On what about top? audio I, magician? Unfortunately, the the BBC <laughs> BBC has its own rules that you don't credit the sound guy. What? What? So uh, in the BBC version, I'm just music by David Ashton. Which, like, I, I'm not, I don't feel music is my top talent, but um, anyway. Well, that's why we've got to jazz you up a bit. Sound designer. Okay, sound yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do all the sound effects, all the recording. Um, I do do the music. There's some stock music as well. All that stuff. So, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Firstly, let's just cover the, the synopsis of the outsourcing, which i got to admit, did my noggin in. This is the first episode that made my head implode, I think, right. with trying to make sense of the Okay, uh, that's the, interesting because I, I think it's sort of the least science fiction-y one <laughs> in, in that it, it, you could very, very easily set it in the present day. I think it was the arts student in me that suddenly went, why am I in the business world? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. So we are in everybody's bureaucratic nightmare where everything is outsourced all the way up to senior management and 
Dr. Anastasia Black and Eddie land on a planet completely controlled by a corporation called Valiafrax Transglobal. And the only way out of this pickle is up the corporate ladder. So Eddie finds himself signing a lifetime contract, literal lifetime contract to work in a call centre. We've all been there. And Anastasia gets bored of sitting around and then winds up getting involved with a series of back-to-back promotions until she's appointed head of hostile takeovers and ordered to take over the planet that they're on. And then they liberate everybody by redirecting the workflow and Eddie comes to realise that their missions may have a lot more meaning than just arbitrary time hopping. Uh, And I've got to ask, David, whose soul-sucking job inspired this (laughs) plot? Um, I've actually never worked in a call centre, but there's there's certainly stuff in there. Um, Listening back to it in preparation for this, I realised there's actually a bit more of a, a certain organisation I worked for than that I'd realised when I was writing it, there's there's a bit of uh, multiple workplaces in there, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, on listening to it back, it just reminded me of working for the government, which um, I can say that, can't I? I've worked for the government. I still do sometimes. It's vague enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying what department, but... <laughs> the fact just... that there can be no upper management yeah, for two yeah. years and no one notices, you know. <laughs> no, that's right. And the, tra- the training stuff is what got me. I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so much my life. Because, and so Amanda at play, is basically it's kind of your character's fault that... Uh, the character we meet, Carol, is kind of stuck in the entry-level position because Rachel from Supplies didn't do the training. Yeah, so she's never... So that position... This is the thing that's remarkably lifelike is that it's not the person, it's the position. And if the position hasn't done the training, then it doesn't get marked off. And I, yeah, yeah. I had an experience so, since doing the episode uh, where um, I had to do online training at a workplace for... Uh, uh, something like um, health and safety or something. And um, for some reason, the software would never say that I'd finished it, even though I had finished it. Oh, no. And, and there was a lot of back and forth with the training. And they were saying, oh, can you, can you, you know, send us a screenshot of what it says and all that. And in the end, I said, look, you know that I've done it because I've just told you that. No one else is having this problem. Why don't we just agree that I've done it? You know? And they were like, oh, yeah, okay. I like that you can't quite remember what it was that you did. So yeah, obviously yeah. it was valuable training. It was, it was yeah, yeah, health and safety or codes of conduct or something like that. It's reminded me a lot of, and I will defame them, uh, working for the BBC's counterpart in Australia, the ABC, where you just want to add, can I add this bio to the website? And they're like, oh, we don't have a tab for that on yeah, the website. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> we'll have a meeting and we'll talk yeah. about that idea and then we'll workshop it. Then we'll th- see if there's a budget. Way back before this episode was conceived, did someone, when you were brainstorming possible settings, did someone pipe up and say, you've got to do one where it's just a corporate landscape the, hell? The, the way I remember it, and I, I may be remembering this wrong, is that we, we had our first meeting where we brainstormed ideas and then our second meeting where we sat down and worked out who was going to write which episode. And there was an idea written down for Planet where they outsource everything and no one could remember where that idea came from. It may be that we, we paid some guy in the Philippines 50 cents to, to come up with an idea for us. I don't know. He's but, not um, but, but, but genuinely, I don't know who, who actually came up with the original idea, but it got um, allocated to me and I thought, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's collaboration at its finest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When that's people right. start remembering and highlighting who came up with which joke. Yeah. That was my joke. <laughs> the good one was mine. That's a problem. <laughs> 
Oh, and who has been a call centre monkey, Amanda? Oh, totally. I quitted. I, I, I was, I've done a few call centre jobs. Um, one, notably, it was for a bank. And um, uh, I was speaking with someone, going through the protocol too. Uh, this is all me doing my job really well, thank you very much. And um, the, it was a, a doctor on the line trying to get information about his daughter's bank account and I wouldn't let him and he hung up on me and I stood up and my I could see that my team manager, it was this that call was monitored. <gasps> Of all the calls and she just looked at me and I'm like, I quit, I'm out of here, I quit. I actually did one of those, I'm out of here and walked out the door. Amazing. Yeah. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, totally. 22-year-old Amanda was pretty special. <laughs> she had no idea. She lived with the parents so she could be pretty special. <laughs> there are zero stakes. Yeah, yeah, zero, zero. Who cares if it ruins your career in call centres? Yeah, yeah. No banks will ever let me work with them again. <laughs> it rang true for me. I worked in a call centre where we had to do surveys, market research. So it was the, the good kind of call centre, I called it. We didn't have to sell anything. But that's the part in, in Night Terrace where they would get zapped if they veered oh, off yeah. the script. <laughs> it was so true because in the call centre I worked at, your manager could lift up your line and listen to you at any point in your phone call and they would know if you'd gone off script. So, yeah, the zapping felt real to me. Too real. This grammar's appalling. Ah! What was that? Just keep reading the script. For some reason, that's that was just really fun to edit that and put these violent zaps in. <laughs> yeah. I know, I can feel... Oh, the sounds are great. Like, I'm yeah. going to tell you, the sounds are great. It's, Thank you. Yeah. Well... I the think music, the music's great. I want music. Yeah, yeah I'm waiting for you. This, this one has no music. <laughs> waiting for your EP to drop. It's just sounds. <laughs> yes. It's conceptual. Well, this is, this is a true story. When I, was, when I was very little, too young to really be into pop music, <laughs> I, for some reason the, my local shopping centre, which was Whitford City in, um, in the northern suburbs of Perth, had a copy of uh, an LP, because this, this was the 70s, of Doctor Who sound effects. Goodness knows how that made it to a tiny record shop in Whitford City, but wow. I bought it and I played it to death and it was just like zappy, you know, laser gun noises and, and electronic hums and things. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but I played it to death and 35 years later or whatever, here I am making my own <laughs> Doctor Who sound effects. That, that's an example of the product winding up in the hands of the exact target audience that it yes. was designed exactly, for. Exactly, exactly. And in fact, in preparation... For making Night Terrace, I tracked it down on CD and bought it so I could uh, have a copy. Of course, we don't use those sound effects because they're copyrighted, but I could listen to them for inspiration. That's okay, we don't use CDs either anymore. <laughs> I just I just bought a car with a CD player in it. I just uh, I've upgraded from a tape deck to a CD, and I, I feel like I'm living in the future. So, <laughs> what is this MP3 you're talking about? I'm all about the CDs. <laughs> well, no, we start with the helpline messages. And it almost sounds, it doesn't sound like a compliment to say Petra has a great voice for helpline operators, <laughs> but it is a, it is a oh, compliment. Yeah, it is a compliment. I mean that. In, yeah. in, in Not that. everyone can do that. No, and it's really warm and you, it's hard to get a sense of warmth from a machine where you just want to, where you just want to speak to a person. I used to do those um, for a well-known uh, group in Sydney that, do a, uh, they, they run a whole lot of high-level pubs and bars and I used to do their march into madness, this menu, like do all these things. Yeah, well, so while you were on hold, you heard me going, um, Valentine's Day specials, things like that. <laughs> oh, there, there was one I used to call, I think it was the uh, when I used to do phone banking before internet banking. It always sounded drunk. 
<laughs> was this woman, like she was she was meant Are to be you sure you want to do yeah, that I was like, yeah. or to be a case of like yeah you've got enough you deserve it buy it yes. buy it show won't tell anyone that's going to help me anytime i get an operator now i'm just going to assume they're on the source yeah. <laughs> that'll just make the process more yeah. enjoyable yeah. Ah, yeah nobody <laughs> likes having to choose options from a menu. There's like nobody, I'm sure nobody ever rings and says, oh, thank God it's a recorded thing and I yeah. have to choose from a menu, you know. So I guess, you know, it's vital you have the friendliest, most calming voice possible. I'm, f- I'm already, I'm back there. I'm back. Oh, no, look, you're agitated. I'm, I'm at value for X right now. <laughs> yeah, I was struggling to think of a, a way to include Sue in this episode and then I was really pleased when I, I thought of that idea of, oh, she can be a, phone, a voice on the phone. Yeah, and she pipes through and offering helpful slash not helpful advice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There, there was a whole original ending. This is my alternate ending. At the end when they get back to the house, I don't know if you remember, the, there was uh, construction work going on. The farm was being turned into apartments. They'd find that their house was about to be demolished um, until it got stopped by the, the takeover. And then the phone would ring again and it would be Sue and she'd be saying, that's what I was trying to warn you about. <laughs> It'd be a sort of wah-wah ending, but I, I didn't really have a way to write that that was snappy and wasn't just explaining the jokes. So we cut that. Speaking of explaining the joke, there are certain points where Anastasia is trying to find Eddie and she's saying, oh, he's yay high, his hair's like this. <laughs> and there's other times where you just completely describe a situation. How did you kind of pick and choose what would be sort of left to our imagination and what wouldn't. The particular way she describes Eddie was, is just that there's this room for ambiguity in audio. I think, I think different mediums have different room for ambiguity in that, like, if you were writing a novel, I mean, I've never written a novel, but if, <laughs> but if you were writing a novel, you can sort of skip over things in, in a certain way through your writing, whereas if you were making a movie, you'd have to show the bit from A to B. Uh, and then in audio, you've got other things you can skip over, which is you can have someone do something, but you don't have to show it. So you just suggest it in certain ways. His name's Eddie. He's about so high with hair like this and ears that are sort of like that. I'm sure I've never seen anyone like that. Also, just I'd, I, I would watch police shows and things and they'd describe a person and, and they'd say, <laughs> oh, they have brown hair, five foot six and things. And I'd often think... If I had to actually describe what someone's looked like, I wouldn't know how to do it. If if a policeman asked me how you know to describe Eddie Jones, you know, or Ben, I, I would not know what to say. He's got red hair. Apparently, I'm colourblind, so I actually don't notice red hair. But I would just divert to celebrities. Oh, he looks a bit, I guess, Ed Sheerany. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that. terrible. I'd make the world's worst witness. I was sat on a bus from um, Dublin to up near Belfast once, and there was we stopped for a toilet break. There was a guy sitting next to me the whole time, and we all got off bathroom break, all got back on and this guy sat next to me and I, I was like, oh no mate, there's someone sitting there and he said, yeah, it's, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> We'd only been off the bus for like 10 minutes, so I just did not recognise him. He had a hat on when he was on the bus and oh, now yeah, he didn't yeah. have a hat. Oh, that's a, he's done the full Superman Yeah, on I fall for the Clark Kent thing. I'm the worst, <laughs> the worst. So now we'll carve out a little corner of this episode, which I'll call sound advice, which I want to ask David about certain moments in this episode in the soundscape. Um, one of the earliest sound effects that jumped out at me was the, the alien fruit crops screaming, <laughs> the berry, I just wrote down here, berry screams. And when I came back to my notes, it took me 10 minutes of staring at that going, what's berry screams and why have I written that down? <laughs> um, it's the Fudo 3000 hunger negation solution, which I 100% need in my life. 
Were they people that you got screaming or were they stock uh, screams? They were stock screams, yes. Well, the first one you hear is actually... <laughs> I think called the Wilhelm I was going to say, is it the Wilhelm scream? Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Which... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Look it up. I won't bother explaining it. But it's, but just, it's, it's a recurring yeah, it's grab a, in many movies and TV shows. It's a familiar sound effect. If you start listening out for it, you'll hear it in, in oh, every movie. Amanda just did a pretty good yeah. replication you. of it. <laughs> Was apparently originally meant to be a guy being eaten by a crocodile. It's like an early, like it's kind of Tarzan-ish. Yeah. Like yeah. back then. Yeah. That's the first one and then later we hear millions of them. That They are just off sound effects records. This is my favourite moment of the whole episode and it's the moment where Anastasia sits down and she doesn't want to get involved in the hijinks outside. She wants to sit down and catch up on her reading and then you have a good few moments of reading silence and I just think <laughs> how perfect that the sound engineer of the episode and the series has put in silence. <laughs> and this sort of simplicity of pages turning. I mean, part of the, what we wanted to kind of get across with Anastasia was that she, she keeps saying she's done with adventuring and she wants to retire, but really there's a part of her that is not suited to retirement. So I had this idea that, you know, she would sit and try and sit, a book, sit and read a book and it would take her all of 30 seconds to be totally bored. And what what did she say? I, wasn't, I wasn't really having a go at the slap, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> modern Aussie classic by Christos Cholkis, The Slap. It's not, I mean, it's I, not a page turner, but it's, it's an all right read. It probably is. I haven't read it. But um, it's, uh, it just seemed the perfect book that someone who wants to do more reading have, would have heard of and thought was a, a, a worth, or, yeah, a worthwhile book that they should read, but then would never get round to reading. So what did she say? Bored now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, bored now. Yeah, bored now. I'll go and rescue Eddie. <laughs> she read the acknowledgements and then <laughs> that was it. <laughs> she was out of there. She has such a way of delivering stuff. I just love listening yeah. to her. Uh, were there any other sounds you want to highlight for us from this, from the outsourcing? I, I don't know. My favourite bits are often kind of funny things like... Um, I like the bit where they they're coming up in the lift, and you there's like a, the the rabble, and and you just sort of gradually hear them come up, and it's it suggests to me the lift rising, and then the doors open, and they all rush out. In my mind, I pictured it like a like a Terry Gilliam animation from from Monty Python, you know, with his sort of cardboard cutout figures yeah. coming out of the lift or something. So that was the bit I, I liked. I did clock that when I was listening to it, but I wouldn't have known how to put into words what that was. Yeah, that's the mob coming up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. when I got to yell? The agenda! Management restructuring! I was so excited. <laughs> I wanted to say quorum <laughs> at some stage. I want to get a recording of that and play it at meetings. No one ever sticks to the agenda. The other people in the crowd were um, our Kickstarter backers. Yeah. I think right. we, we talked about the fact in the earlier episodes that we... That we originally funded this through a Kickstarter campaign. So um, some of our Kickstarter backers make little cameo appearances... Uh, shouting out in the crowd in this episode, in other episodes. That's perfect. Did they, did they have to record themselves and then send the track to you? Uh, no, no, we got them to come down to the studio. Oh, old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was part of the fun, I think. Well, I hope they found it fun anyway. But. Oh, it's fun. It's fun to be in the booth. It's fun yeah. to, like, try stuff out. I mean, I remember doing outtakes for the... Um, the food, we're talking about what flavours things were and you, you all let me go for as long as I could thinking of oh, colours yeah, and what the yeah, flavours right. would be. Uh, the, the green is guacamole. The, and I, I remember feeling like um, Willy Wonka with the, um, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the, the, 
um, wallpaper where they get to lick the wallpaper. The gooseberries taste like gooseberries. <laughs> gooseberries. Yeah, it was so much fun. I loved stuff like that. I've, those bits are magic. And it does sort of speak to the community we have in Melbourne where it was produced that you can just get people together and get artists together in a room and create something. And was it in an actual booth or was it in a room that you recorded? Well, we had a big recording session or in for Series 1 there were two big recording sessions in two different studios that we hired where we could fit a whole bunch of people, as many people as we could get to come along on the day. Anyone who couldn't make it on that day, that's where Amanda and Dave Lamb came in to... to um, audition. Audition. We yeah. would audition. <laughs> to read in all the other parts, which, which they may or may not have ended up playing. Oh, so, Amanda, you were like the dummy track or the yeah, guide yeah, track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the best fun. I mean, I think... Um, that's when I say like those things are magic for for me. They were the magic moments of being able to just read something and 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 try voices on with without the risk of knowing that like someone else was going to be reading the voice. So you could have fun with it and try things on and um, and that also gives you more confidence than when it is your turn to read as a character because you've tried some voices on and had a go. But the the on mask recordings, being in those big rooms and just watching people who were you know just. Amazing. And in Australia, I guess we, we are often, performers are often um, not a jack of all trades, but they, you, they, don't, they don't get to flex the muscles necessarily as often. So getting to see people who have amazing voices do these, you know, characters that you can only hear them, but they were full body acting um, yep. in so many of those. And yeah, it was just such a thrill to be a part of. Well, even take Jackie Woodburn, who has been flexing the same muscle for 20 years as Susan on Neighbours. You, you take for granted how much effort and work is behind that until you strip everything else out and you just hear her voice and you hear how much a performer can do with their voice. Yeah. Oh, she was amazing to you, watch. You'd never know that in real life she has an Irish accent. Oh, and I did hear a snippet of, of it in... Um, <laughs> I love everyone's going, no, it's true, because I'm looking going, what? <laughs> it, it's underneath her, her Australian accent, but but she does have a bit of Irish and it just pops out occasionally. Oh, that would make sense about but, but some never, of the pronunciation. never when she's yeah. acting, but when oh. she's not yeah, acting. Yeah, if you yeah. look up some behind-the-scenes interviews, and there was one she did for Night Terrace, and it, it blows your mind. She's, suddenly there's R's being pronounced. That you, you, I just you thought just... she was so super classy that I had to change how I pronounce things. But no, that's... <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> there, there it is. She's not I've classy. started talking like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but Jackie does it. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't sound like that at all. I'm so sorry. I'm auditioning sweep. again. I'm auditioning again. <laughs> oh, also, shout out to Kate Wolf as Carol, who's in the call centre, stuck, uh, unable to move up in the ranks because that rings true. A lot of the time you feel like you're above your station, especially as women in the workplace. Amanda, I'm assuming <laughs> you've been there. Amen, sister. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I hear you. Um, you often feel like, oh, I can do better than this. And Carol, just you, she just sounds competent. She's, there's, some, there's an earnestness in her voice that you just go, you can run this joint, girl. Like, I don't even care what you're going to say. You just sound like you've got it under control. So then it was really satisfying at the end when Anastasia just arbitrarily promotes her to chief executive of Valiafrax. Is it Valiafrax Trans Global? Am I saying that right? Something like that. But then it would have different, different uh, uh, you know, bits at the end. Trans Global Holdings or, or Trans Global Fisheries or whatever. Fisheries. I like the fisheries, but John actually thought of adding <laughs> in fisheries to the, the phone menu and then I ran with it and put fisheries a what few is it? times in to, the episode. To hear the word fisheries, say fisheries. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> 
That was actually Petra's improv, so, so which is, is hilarious. You have selected extremely hostile takeover. If you brought your own weapons, press one. That, that is, oh. To hear the word fisheries, simply say fisheries. What is that? How is that a thing? I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Please try again. No. Are you saying fisheries? No. If yes, say Fisheries. That, Did you say fisheries? Oh, the bugger is. Originally, I, I called the corporation something like Uber Corp or something. Ooh. But I, I didn't think to look it up. And, and we looked up and, yeah. And, this was and how long ago? Five years ago? I was, I was kind of like Uber Corp. No, that's, that's two on the nose. No one would call a company <laughs> Uber. Like, how do you even spell that? Yeah. But and I, I see how you circumvented the issue of things already being named that is you just added 12 more consonants and then you, you were <laughs> exactly, sorted. Exactly. Now, the reason this one hurt my brain, coming back to that, is that I, when I first listened to it, I got lost in all the red tape speak and all the corporate speak. And then I realised it actually doesn't matter and I could step back from it and just let it all wash over me. I I think this is a thing um, I've noticed from listening to uh, like DVD commentaries on, on Doctor Who and things like that is that you'll get actors who don't understand science fiction and when they hear something like um, uh, the spaceship's powered by a tachyon drive, people who don't understand science fiction think that it's important that they understand what a tachyon drive is, whereas people who watch a lot of science fiction know that that's just gobbledygook and you don't need to know what that means. It just means it's a, it's a spaceship and it goes fast. As a sci-fi curious person, I am learning this and it has empowered me to go into these episodes now just letting it all happen and my brain doesn't need to go into overdrive. Yeah, it's just... We don't have to read the company manual. You just go in and get the job done. That's right. Well, all that speak, all that techno speak, regardless of the industry, is just techno speak. It's the language that people make up to make themselves feel expert. So if there's science fiction techno speak and corporate techno speak, I mean, really, guesstimate is not a word. So why did some people start using it as if it was a thing? It's not. It's just a made-up thing to make people in meetings uh, sound cool. Disruptive (laughs) is is the current one that... I've come from a commercial radio world where it was the same sort of thing but with the showbiz element injected into it. So I was in promotions. Then when I left that job, it became integration. And then after that, it became activation. Yeah. I'm still stuck on synergy. I'm still (laughs) stuck on synergy. (laughs) So this is a good moment now to maybe suggest some supplementary material that the audience can dip into while we wait for the next episode of Night Terrace to drop. Look, I have something that may be completely ridiculous to recommend but Dave talking about getting that Doctor Who sound effects album just reminded me of Father Ted and there's an episode of Father Ted where Father Dougal has a sound effects album and it's just uh, it's a great two minutes of television right there I think it's on I think you can see Father Ted on Netflix and probably Stan all the streamings but um Father Ted great comedy series and it's it's a great um, visual audio gags. I was going to recommend a uh, sitcom as well, um, American series called Better Off Ted, which maybe didn't get the recognition it deserved, that was also set in a, a slightly sinister corporate workplace. That's worth hunting out. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's available somewhere, <laughs> but Better <laughs> Off Ted, yeah. I'm going to look at the corporate nightmare from the other angle and suggest someone who leans into it, and that's Leslie Nope on Parks and Recreation. <sighs> Best. Yeah, yeah, that's an example of working in like a government body that is most people's hell, but she embraces it 
Yeah. Because let's not forget, some people actually enjoy their workplaces. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Incredible as it may seem. Uproarious laughter. <laughs> oh, people, people should read The Slap too. It's a, I don't actually know. Watch, watch the Aussie adaptation of The Slap with Melissa George. That's a great time. And she's in the American yeah. one too. Oh, is she? Well, thanks, David. I'm going to get some more sound advice from you in next week's episode, which has some German flavour to it. Um, Jawohl. <laughs> Achtung. <laughs> wow, German can be sexy. <laughs> That's the only word I know. <laughs> and Amanda, you've got some uh, impro shows, comedy shows coming up? Yeah, yeah, I've got some impro in town. Um, I work with Impro Melbourne and uh, the big hoo-ha, Impromptunes, um, and even the Improv Conspiracy. So any of those places you'll be able to see some good improv. So if you're in Melbourne, see it. If you're not in Melbourne... Come to Melbourne. So Amanda is Amanda Buckley 75 on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And in real life. For more info on this podcast and Night Terrace itself, you can visit nightterrace.com or search Night Terrace on bbc.co.uk. Uh, you can also check it out on BBC Radio iPlayer app. My show is Neighbours, the Neighbours Recap Podcast. It's at neighbourspod.com. You can tweet us all at Night Terrace and use the hashtag on the terrace to chat about the episodes. And join us next time for another cuppa on the terrace. Bye. You have been listening to On the Terrace, a Splendid Chaps production. Find more entertainment for your ears at SplendorChaps.com.